Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. Maybe coffee and a meal. Uh, I'm looking forward to next Sunday when it's over. But I believe God's going to bless us. John chapter 14, if you have your Bibles with you, let's go into the word of the Lord. Also to let you know, Brother Romeo and Sister Felicitas Pocong are moving back today. It was their last Sunday. They're moving back to the Philippines and hopefully start a church there uh, when they have the opportunity. If you are able to stand, please stand for the reading of God's word. John 14. We're going to read from verse number 8 to verse number 14. Uh, we are in our series in, uh, for His glory. And I just, uh, we, as I said last week, we could probably be in the series for the next uh, six months. Uh, just the Bible is, is replete with uh, references to God's glory. The word glory in the Hebrew means is kabod, which means heaviness. Weighty, something that is important, something that is weighty. It's not just light and brilliance that we often associate the word glory with, but there is a sense of, of profundity and, and significance. Amen. That's why that's what God's got to be in our life. John 14 and, and 8, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us, it's enough for us. Jesus said unto Philip, have I been so long time with you, and yet you have not known me? He says, we're, we're, he's saying, show us the Father. He said, what are you talking about, Philip? Haven't you known me? I've been with you all this time. He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? There's only one image of God, and it is through the face of Jesus Christ. And he elaborates a little further. Believe thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Again, this is a little bit of a mystery. How is that? I'm the Father, Father in me. The Bible says that God was in Christ and that in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. Verily I say unto you, very, verily, verily, verily I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I shall do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And here's our key verse. This is one I want to focus on this morning. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Whatever you ask in my name, I'm going to do it. Then the, that, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Then he further says in verse 14, If you shall ask anything in my name, anything, I will do it. Amen. Anything at all. Now, let me make a little caveat here. Anything but sin. Anything provided it is subject to the ultimate will of God. But we can ask him anything. You need a job? You need healing? Nothing too hard for God. You need help with your marriage? He can help. So I want to talk to you today on this thought, prayer's ultimate purpose. Prayer's ultimate purpose. Let us 
do that, why don't we lift up our voices one more time. Father, in Jesus' name, we're asking you right now, Lord God, that you would speak to our hearts. Our hearts are open, Lord. We pray, Lord Jesus, even through this, this vessel, that you would speak and give wisdom. Let it be your word. Let the living word preach the written word. Let the rima breathe life into the logos and let it speak to us, Lord. We believe, your Lord, that you hear us. And we thank you, Lord God, for this wonderful opportunity again. We give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you clap your hands and give them praise? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you're going to preach with me, you can be seated. If not, you can remain standing. <laughs> Can't lose. Over the last several weeks, we have been looking into this idea of the glory of God and how it is revealed in the physical world. Uh, we don't often, as we've grown up in the physical world, we don't necessarily associate the physical world with the spiritual, but the Bible says uh, that the things that are made reveals uh, uh, the things that are unseen, which is his eternal power and Godhead. And so if you just take a few moments to investigate and explore just how incredible this world is, you will see not only the aesthetic beauty that we see in the physical world, but also the incredible elegance and mechanisms, mechanisms that are inherent uh, within the systems of this world, including the human body, the ecological systems, as I said last week. Uh, as human beings, though, that, that's not the only thing that can speak to us about this, this dichotomy of, of spirit and physical, of the immaterial and the material world. We cannot see the spiritual. We cannot see the immaterial. But the Bible declares that there is this dichotomy of the visible and the invisible. Uh, I think one thing that really is, uh, gives a testament to that reality is not only in Scripture is it declared, but even our own experiences. Uh, I think there is something within all of us uh, that is immaterial because regardless of how much pleasure our, we, we indulge our physical bodies in, uh, regardless of all the, the pleasures that money could buy uh, that could give us the, the best food and indulge in all of the immorality that the flesh, the Bible says, is pleasurable for a season, yet there is still something inside the human being that, that tells us that it's not, it's not fulfilling. It's not quite happy you know that it, there's it's we're not quite happy that's why even the wealthiest of people uh they can preoccupy their time yes they've got enough money to burn uh, so that every moment of their day can be preoccupied and yet within the depth of a human soul there is still this longing for something more all the food in the world, all the drink in the world, all of the lust in the world has not, cannot satisfy. There is still this longing inside. And I submit to you, that is because we are more than just flesh and blood. 
We are spirit. According to the Bible, the Word of God tells us he formed Adam from the dust of the ground. It's from the earth. The, the body's from the earth. Our bodies connects us to the material world. But then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and that man became a living soul. Amen. And when the Bible says when man dies, the, the body goes back to dust, but the spirit goes back to God. Amen. And so there is this, this dual nature, if you will, in all of us. Uh, and I think, again, you just look at society, you look at history, uh, every society in the world, even including the primitive or the sophisticated, you see this pattern that humanity always has to worship something. Uh, even the most primitive of, of cultures in, in, in the jungles, if you will, you'll see that there's some form of deity. There's some form of worship. Either they make a god out of a stone or carved out of wood that they begin to worship. But this is a universal uh, characteristic that all humans desire for something more than what they have in this world. It is because we are spiritual creatures. Somebody said, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Amen. That sounds like it's, it's pretty right. Uh, but, but we are living in a spiritual world. We, we live in a world that we cannot see, but there's something within us, amen, that desires something more. And I want you to know that even though we live in a physical world, yet God has made it possible for us to be able to access the spiritual reality called God. Amen. Amen. That's what God did when he created Adam. He gave him a, a job to do to maintain the garden, to name all the animals. But the Bible says God will come in the cool of the day and he would have fellowship. This is the implication now that he would have fellowship with Adam. That's why he created man, so that God could be intimate with him and have relationship, of a relationship of love, uh, that man could find this fulfillment within inside of them. And I want you to know something today, that God gave us this wonderful opportunity, that we can have access to the spiritual, that we can have access to God, even though we are limited in this physical body, yet the Bible tells us that if we simply believe that if you can have faith in God, it says, without faith it is impossible to please Him, but he that comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and I want you to know something he didn't make it complicated for us he didn't make it something that was so difficult to understand that you had to to have an IQ of 140 that you have to be filthy rich that you have to somehow be talented and gifted but he gave us the simplicity of the gospel including faith that faith alone is enough for us to be able to access the grace of almighty God that even a child can have faith even a child can understand what it simply means to believe and Jesus told us that if you have faith as a mustard seed a tiny little mustard seed you don't need a whole lot just a little faith of mustard seed you can speak to the mountain and the mountain has got to move Today, it doesn't matter what life you've lived. If you got faith in this house right now and believe God for his word, God can change your life. He can turn your life around. He can pour out the grace of God. 
Oh, aren't you thankful? He didn't make it complicated. He didn't make it so that you got to be a genius or you had to go to a, a Bible college and get a theology degree. But if a simple belief in God is here, you can have access to the forgiveness, to the cleansing power of the blood. That's how powerful faith is. Faith is simply hearing something and inside your heart and mind said, yes, I believe it. If you can believe it, you can turn your life to Jesus. He can fill you with the Holy Ghost. He can wash away your sin at repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. And through your faith, your life can be transformed. Hallelujah. Oh, this is how good God is. He didn't make it complicated. He made it as simple as believing. Just like a mother would tell a child, honey, I'm coming back. When I come back from the store, the child's not wondering, oh, is she going to come back? She's going to believe her mama. That's all faith is. It said God said it and you believe it. That settles it. God said it. You believe it. Oh, come on. Even if you don't believe it, it's still settled. Even if you don't believe God, God's word is forever settled. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. But my word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I, I, I'm sorry. This, this, this lesson has got a long introduction, but I, I've got to get to my lesson. But I simply need to, to reinforce this idea of the simplicity of Christ. Paul said, Paul said, I, I said, I've espoused you, but I, but I fear lest the devil through his subtly, subtlety ha, has taken you away from Christ, from the simplicity of Christ. The things of God are simple. It's faith. Amen. And if you want to receive his forgiveness, this, the message of this, the gospel is repentance. Repent, he says. And again, and what's repentance? It sounds like one of those, one of those fancy theological uh, uh, terminology. It simply means to change your mind. Hallelujah. Which we do all the time. You probably, probably did it this morning. I mean, you said, I'm going to wear the blue shirt. Oh, no, I think I better wear, wear the, the brown shirt. You, you change your mind all the time. I think I'm going to break my fast today on McDonald's. No, I think I'll have Eljana. I'll have something a little healthier for something. Amen. We change our minds all the time. That's what repentance is. This is what John the Baptist preached when he began his ministry. And when Jesus began his ministry, he preached the same message. Repent, change your mind for the kingdom of God is at hand and when the church of God began they began with the same message he said repent and be baptized change your mind Hallelujah. You want salvation. You want to know how to get to heaven. It's a, God's already paid the price. He already went to the cross. He already shed his blood. But now he opens up the door. And he said, whosoever will come, believe, repent. Hallelujah. Repentance is our response to the gospel. 
It means to change your mind. And I'm telling you that with a simple act of faith and repenting, I'm telling you something so powerful can transform in your life. How is it that a 16, 18-year-old drug addict on the streets all of his life can come into a service, hear one little message that goes into his ear, and something is, is transforming in his mind. Something is happening in him, and he makes this decision. He said, I'm sick and tired of living in sin. I'm sick and tired of what the world has to offer me. It's offered me nothing but a heartache and emptiness and depression. I'm going to give this Jesus a go. I'm going to turn my life and follow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, I'm sorry. I said to myself when I was preparing this lesson, I'm just going to teach a Bible study. I'm not going to get excited. But you all preaching with me. You're getting me excited. I oh, I, I, miss, I miss our three-hour services. Now we're doing multiple services. We've got to cut it short. I, Pastor, you need to, you're going to need to cut down your preaching. I said, all right. But it's so simple. Change your mind. Then he says, get baptized for the remission of your sins. That means if you want to have your sins washed away, You've got to do it in baptism. It's not the water that's, that's somehow magical, but it's your obedience. It's your faith that when you step into the water, and again, when John the Baptist started his ministry, telling people to be baptized, it was not a foreign concept to Israel at the time. They understood that when they get baptized, it was symbolic of their repentance. Just like how you have a bath that washes away the dirt from your physical body, baptism was symbolic that when you get into the water, it washes away your spiritual body. This is how the physical and the invisible interact. This is how the material and the spiritual interacts because they are inextricably tied together. They are connected and we have the ability, though we are in this physical body, yet somehow the spiritual power of God is, re is released to wash away our sins and when we come up out of the water, oh, our sins are washed away. We come out with a new life. We walk in the newness of life. And you can say, I'm sorry, devil. No, you don't have to apologize to the devil. You simply tell the devil, I don't need you to remind me of my past. It's under the blood. It's in the waters. You don't have to remind me. And when he does, you can remind him of his future. Your future will be in the lake of fire. My future. Hallelujah. Oh, I've got to calm down. I'm sorry. I still got 20 minutes. I, I got to take it easy. It, it, it's a bath. How, how many here have ever had a bath? Ooh, there's a whole bunch here. <laughs> okay, we might have to do another session, right? It, it, it's in a sense, it's like a bath that's not cleansing your physical body, but cleansing your soul. That's why Peter said, that's why he says in Mark, Jesus said, except you, uh, you believe. And he says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Again, a simple concept. You don't have to be gifted intellectually. But it's having a bad, then the Bible says in Acts 2.38, you shall receive the gift 
of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a gift. That's the key that you've got to remember when you receive the Holy Ghost. And we all love, not only do we understand the concept of gifts, we love the concept of gifts. How many love gifts? Amen. And we understand that when somebody gives you a gift, here's the concept, what do you do? You take it. I mean, you can have some gifts. I know they're what we call re-gifts, right? Oh, what am I going to do with a, with a paper towel? I say, here you go. But with the concept of a gift, you simply receive it. And the Bible says the Holy Ghost is a gift that's given by God. If, you want, if you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues, you simply got to believe and accept it by faith. Receive it, and you will receive this wonderful gift. It's a simple concept. But here, here's my lesson today, and I've only got 10 minutes left. The other simple concept is prayer. I want to challenge you today about prayer. Prayer is, is very simply communication with the Lord. It is not reserved for the spiritual elite. Oh, oh you know, sister so-and-so, she's the intercessor. Brother so-and-so, he's the prayer warrior. Now, can I say that we are not Christians if we are not praying? That is the definitive characteristic of a Christian, is they're talking to God. Prayer is a concept that God has given to us, and Jesus reiterated, because the sad statistic is 60% of Christians are static. Saw this recently. That means they never change. 60% of believers, they never get deeper with God. But I want to challenge you today that the depth of your walk with God is dependent on your prayer life. E.M. Bounce says, we cannot be much for God if we are not much with God. Prayer is the lifeblood of the believer. Prayer is what makes us who we are. We, we, are, no long, we are no stronger as a Christian in our, than in our prayer lives. And if somehow you've stagnated and somehow it seems like you're always going in a circle, it's because it's quite possibly we haven't continued in our prayer, in our prayer life, in our walk with God. It's time, brothers and sisters, that we begin to delve in and to immerse ourselves in prayer. We say, well, well I don't know what to say. I don't know how, how to communicate with God. Listen, you don't have to know very much. You don't have to even pray in, in, in King James English, in Victorian English. You don't have to sound like Shakespeare. You know, some people, they like to do that. They like to pray. Oh, heavenly, oh, thou art the Lord, almighty God. You, are, you, you don't have to sound like Alexander Scorby. You simply, whatever words you have, the way that you communicate to your best friend, the way that you communicate to your father, your mother, you can talk to God. Amen. Can I tell you, he already knows what's in your heart. It does not shock him. He's not, he does not, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Really? Well, that's a surprise to me. No, he doesn't surprise him, but he's waiting for us to open up our mouths and to begin to pour out our hearts, to begin to talk to God. And I promise you, if you dedicate one hour every day of sincere communication with God, it will transform your life. You look back 12 months from then, a year from that moment, and you pray and say, God, I'm going to dedicate one hour every day. I'm going to talk to you throughout the day, at the job, or at the school, in the car. I promise you, there will be change. 
You're going to go deeper with God. Hallelujah. This is, I must say, prayer is the most underutilized. It is the most underrated weapon in the church. There's more to God. Let me remind you of the power of the church, of prayer. The church was birthed not in a council, not in a conference, but the church was birthed in a prayer meeting. The apostle Paul was commissioned after the church in Antioch prayed. And God separated Barnabas and Paul to be the Gentile missionaries. Prayer is the lifeblood of the church. Yet it is one of the first things that we give up. We tend to work, we tend to worry. We tend to do everything else except for prayer. And if there's one universal thought about, one universal thing throughout all of Christian denominations is that we all need to pray. We may differ in certain things, but one thing is important. Heard a story of a man in a supermarket. He was waiting in line, and uh, this is in the U.S., and he said, uh, this guy just comes in, cuts in line. Has that ever happened to you? You're waiting, somebody cuts in line, and you're like, hey, hang on a minute, am I a Christian right now? Or So the guy says, hey, uh, uh, you're cutting in line. You know, cutting is the same as stealing. And the guy says to him, well, I don't think that's in the Bible. And so he says, oh, you believe in God. And the man that cut in said, yes, I do. And he says, so do I. Are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, I'm a Christian. So am I. Are you a Protestant or Catholic? I'm Protestant. So am I. What denomination? He said, I'm Baptist. So am I. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. So am I. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? Northern Conservative Baptist. Bro, so am I. Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes or Eastern Convention? He said, Great Lakes. So am I. Northern Conservative, Great Lakes Baptist with the Confession of 1912 or 1876? 1912. He says, get to back of the line, you heretic. I'm sorry, I had to share that. See, we may differ in some of the semantics, but there's one thing we all agree on is the necessity, the essentiality, and the urgency of prayer. That's one thing we all would agree on, that we need to talk to God. We need to call upon his name because let me tell you, there is no substitute to prayer. You can't substitute prayer with works. You can't substitute prayer with, with coming to church, even even though we do pray in the church. You can't substitute prayer with doing works, with teaching Bible studies, even going doing outreach. Those things are good. But there is no substitute to prayer. Nothing can, can take the place of prayer. 
You can substitute your milk with lactose-free milk or almond milk. You can, you can uh, do all of these things to substitute, but there is no substitute for prayer. And if you engage and give your life to becoming a prayer, a prayer person, a prayer warrior, whatever it is, I promise you, whatever you face in your life, God's going to open that door. Hallelujah. I've come to challenge this church. It's time for us to get deeper in prayer. It's time to be committed and disciplined in this particular spiritual discipline. If you remember what happened to Peter. Peter was in prison, the Bible says, and just before him, James was beheaded. His head was chopped off uh, uh, by, the, by, the, by the local prince of the government that was there. And they were, he was in prison. He was locked up. But the Bible says, but prayer was made by the church. The church began to pray for Peter. And so God answered that prayer, and he sent an earthquake in that prison house. He opened the prison doors. And Peter was so deep sleep that the angel had to slap him and said, hey, wake up. I'm fixing to break you out of this prison. And he walked right out of that prison. Can I tell you today, that's how powerful when we gather together, whoever's in prison. Come on, they might be in the prison. They might be bound up in addiction. You might have family members that are locked up in sin, in bondage, in addiction, with all kinds of vices. But when we begin to pray, when you lift up your voice and stand in the gap for this world, God can open the prison doors. Hallelujah. That's why we're here today. Because somebody prayed for you and I. Somebody a long time ago lifted up their voice. Called out your name before the throne of God. They began to weep. You and I are standing and sitting here today. Because somebody prayed. Hallelujah. We are the products of prayer. And nobody modeled to us prayer any better than Jesus himself. Hallelujah. I've got to stop. This, this means I'm coming to a close. I haven't even got to my six points yet. There are six keys to prayer. Six keys to prayer that I want you to remember. I've tried to put them in peace purpose number one is priority pray first it needs to have primacy and priority in our lives mark 1 and 35 the bible says in the morning having seen having risen a long while before daylight jesus went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed if anybody in this world never needed to pray it was jesus if anybody, we all need to pray. If anybody never needed to pray, it was God manifest in flesh. He, we just read those verses. He says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Nobody can claim that. I can't say you've seen Stan, you've seen God. You've seen, no. But because he's not like anybody else. He was fully man and he was fully God. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead body. And if anybody never needed, yet nobody prayed more than Jesus did. Before the sun rose, he separated himself. When he was 
surrounded by crowds clamoring for his help, he, he deliberately pushed himself away from the crowd and decided that he would be spending time with the Lord in prayer. Before he chose his disciples, he prayed. He prayed and sought the Lord. Hallelujah. You know why? And his disciples, you asked, his disciples asked him. They never, they never said, teach us how to walk on water, even though they saw him walking on water. They never said, teach us how to walk on water. They didn't say, teach us how to multiply Lebanese bread and multiply the tabbouleh. Well, I don't think I've ever asked to multiply tabbouleh. Maybe the chicken. They never asked him, show us how do you do this. They said, teach us to pray. Because they saw something. They saw the source of his power. That when Jesus would go out and to minister to people, he would simply lay these hands on them. He would speak to their circumstance. He wouldn't be, you know, he wouldn't be having a two-hour prayer meeting holding hands. Like, okay, let's pray for this. He simply spoke to the circumstance. They saw the source of his strength. His strength was found in the prayer meeting. It was in his prayer. When he would walk out of that prayer room, he would walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. You want, you want something to change in your life? You want to walk? with the anointing and the power of God you want you want to have the victory and the boldness to be able to face your circumstance you get in the prayer closet you close the door and don't get out until you hear something from God we got to push pray until something happens pray until something happens you got to keep knocking and praying But, but here's what we do. We, we, we work and struggle with life this much. Right? Can y'all see that? And we pray this much. Can y'all see that? What if we reverse the ratio and let us pray this much? I promise you, the struggles of life will begin to diminish. You've got to prioritize prayer. No matter what it is, it should be the first thing in your day. It should be the most important thing that you do. It should be the, the, the thing that we say, no, I, I've got to leave early because I've got a prayer appointment in the morning with Jesus. I'm sorry, I'd love to fellowship all night, have pizza and drinks, but I've got to go. I've got to get my sleep because I've got to get up in the morning and begin to talk to my Savior. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Prayer is for every believer. It's not just for the super spiritual. It's not just for the minister. It's for every child of God. Because you can talk to him anywhere. There is nowhere in this world that you can't have access to God. Hallelujah. You can talk to him anytime. You better not text me at 7 in the morning. Wake me up. You better not call me after midnight. Oh, but you can talk to him anytime. You can call upon him. His number is always ready. Hallelujah. The Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas were locked up in prison. They had stocks and chains. And in the middle of the night, at midnight, they began to pray and sing praises unto God. And even though God didn't break them out, God broke into the prison and brought an earthquake, took off their chains, and brought salvation to that entire prison. Hallelujah. Okay. 
Okay, I got five minutes. Pray first. Amen. Paul told Timothy, therefore I exhort first of all, first of all, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Hallelujah. We can call in, talk to him anytime. It should never be the last resort. But it should always be the first option. Just like the story of the man who's in the wilderness. He was starving, thirst, dying of thirst. No water. Finally, he calls out to God, God, if you're there, give me something to drink. Save my life. And after he prayed, he looked up and he saw in front of him a spring of water springing up into the air. He saw it. I said, God, never mind. I found something else. Isn't that how we kind of treat God sometimes? Like a, a last resort prayer? Oh, somebody's sick. I better start praying right now. But prayer needs to be the first response. The first option. Amen. Number two, be particular. Priority, particular, or be specific with your prayers. We make so many vague prayers. You know, we say, God, do something. Well, tell him what you want him to do. Tell him what you want him to do. Don't you say, God bless my brother. Well, well pray for something specific. What does your brother need? Oh, he needs a wife. I said. He needs a job. Be specific with your prayers. Be bold with your prayers. Don't just pray for something that you can accomplish and achieve on your own. Because, you know, we can always pray for prayers that you know that you have absolutely no power to be able to achieve that. Pray for something so grand, God. I don't know how we're going to build another church in the city of Sydney that's going to cost like $8 million for a property, maybe $10 million for a property even bigger than this one. I don't know how, but I'm praying it. I'm praying that prayer. Now, God might say, no, no, this is enough. You just start smaller churches. Okay, okay, God. But I'm going to pray bold prayers. Amen. We need to pray prayers, not just for our own little life, our own little four corners, four squares of our life. God, give it. No, we need to start praying for our community. Pray for, pray for our city to be turned upside down, that our world would become hungry for Jesus. We need to pray for our, our families, our nation. Come on. We're praying for Takalau. We're praying, we're praying for Wallace Fatuna. We're praying for Tahiti, wherever there's no apostolic church. We're praying for Nauru. We're praying for beyond the four walls. By the way, we're going to be taking an offering next week for a church in the Philippines that we're going to help, and also a church in Brazil we're going to help. Your brother Glock. Y'all remember brother Glock? He had to move back to Brazil. He's gone, he's gone back to Brazil. He's found a little apostolic church. They're just building a church. The pastor laid the bricks by himself. Well, he is a bricklayer, so he, he did it all, but they don't have enough money to finish the building. So we're going to take an offering next week to bless the church in Brazil and bless the church. Remember Pastor Max Malake? He came over here many years ago. We helped him build his church. I'll show you the photos next week. He hasn't finished the, has still cement floors. He hasn't finished the outside walls. They don't have any sound equipment. So we're going to give you a chance to contribute to, to the work of God beyond just this church. 
So be specific. Okay, not just specific, specific. With your prayers. Okay, next point. I got to hurry, sorry. Next point is uh, pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Uh, before that, you know, being specific, <laughs> you know, when, 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 when God was about to destroy the, when, when the, the children of Israel, remember when they created the golden calf with Moses? Mo God was so angry at what they did. He said, I'm not going to go with you. My angel's going to go with you. And you know what, Moses, he prayed specifically. He said, God, if you don't go with us, it, you know, we're going to be lost. He says, if we, if we perish, your name is not going to be glorified. You, 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 they're gonna, they, your reputation is going to be marred by this whole world. That's why we got to pray prayers where it gives glory to God. This is the ultimate purpose. We, we're always praying for what we need, but we need to start changing prayers. Say, God, what do you want? I know we're always asking about what I need, but what do you want? We need to pray those prayers and say, God, I want to give glory to you. And if God answers your prayer, you need to give glory to God. You prayed for a job. God gave you a job. You need to give glory to God. You prayed for a spouse. You still haven't got it. Well, still give glory to God. Amen. Uh, i got to hurry. I'm sorry. Pray for your enemies. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He gave us a new commandment, a new covenant. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. So love them, bless them. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for your enemies. I mean, and don't pray like, God, that's my enemy, strike him down. Don't be like, like James and John, you know. Lord, let thunder come down and consume them. They're not with us. Okay, he's my enemy, God. Let him just be hit by a truck. Very, you know, just kill him a little bit. Not too much. Just No. We, we, think about the person right now that, that you have angst against the most. You have an issue with the most. It could be that when you begin to pray for them, that will be the beginning of your revival. The Bible says that when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. He had been arguing with his friends all of this time, but now when he prayed for them, God suddenly brought a revival. He brought a change, a turning point in his life. God restored to Job all of the livestock that he lost. He gave him more. He gave him more. He gave him more kids. He gave him beautiful daughters and so on. It said that when he did that, that's when it happened. Could it be the thing that you are lacking? You said, I've been praying. I've been praying for him to be struck down. No, pray for your friends. Pray for your enemies that God will do something in their life and you will see a change that can take place in your life. Can I get a witness, somebody? Hallelujah. Anybody ever prayed for your enemy? Oh, that feels good. 
pray, God, I forgive them for what they said to me. I forgive them for backstabbing me, that lying no good. You know what? I forgive them, Lord. I bless them, Lord. Do something in their life. You know what I pray? I pray, Lord, torment them in their sleep, in their conscience, not their bodies. Torment their conscience until they get right with you. Don't let them one have one night of peaceful sleep. Speak to them in their dreams until they get saved. And bless them, Lord. Bless them with your goodness. Bless them with salvation. Oh, okay. I, I got I to finish. Number four, plan. You got to plan your prayer time. Make a date. Find a place. Find a spot. Psalms. Uh, I can't read all of it. Psalms uh, 55, 17, evening, morning, and noon will I pray and cry aloud. Find a time. Set a date. Put it in your schedule. Put it in your calendar. 5 a.m., wake up and pray. Amen. Put Set time aside. Listen, even if you don't know all the things to pray, but you dedicate that hour to the Lord. Because what is life? What is our lives? Our lives, the time that we're born to the time we die. So our life comprises of time. And when you give God your time, you give, give God your life. You give God your life. Number five, the next P is persistence. Don't give up. Pray until Something happens. Jesus gave us that illustration of the widow woman and the unjust judge, her importunity. The judge said, even though I don't fear God or fear man, but because this woman troubles me with her constant nagging of prayer. Come on, you need something from God? This five-minute mamby-pamby, now I lay me down to sleep prayer is not going to cut it. Sometimes you got to knock on heaven's door until the door opens. That's, what, that's why Jesus reiterated time and again, if you ask, you will receive, seek, and you will find. If you knock on the door, it shall be opened. And then he repeated it again as if we were deaf to hear. He says, to everyone that asks, receive. To he that seeks, will find. To him that knocks, it shall be opened. He said, you got to seek. you got to ask. you got to seek. you got to knock. Ask, seek, knock until he's so tired of hearing our voices and he finally says well only says three things he says yes no or wait those are always the answers to prayer yes no or wait be persistent don't give up number six finally purpose musicians you can come I'm, I'm done understand the purpose of prayer um and here's one of the, perhaps the, one of the objections to prayer is if God already knows everything, why do we need to pray? If he is omniscient, if he already knows our trouble, if he knows that I've got the signal, maybe he knows already what, what we have that we don't even re realize that we've got. If he already knows and he is a good God, why do we need to have to ask him. Remember, God never does anything in our lives unless we ask him. You read the Bible. He never, the children of Israel remained in bondage in Egypt for hundreds of years. There was not one recorded prayer that the people of God made until the time where it says, when their cry came up before the Lord, then God 
set in motion a series of events, including calling a man by the name of Moses. He would allow his people to, to degenerate into a nation of slaves, would allow that to happen, but as soon as they began to cry out, God did something to answer them. I'll tell you why. Because the Bible tells us in Genesis 1 and 26 that God had given man dominion over all the earth. Over all the earth. He gave him authority. It says in, in, in Psalms chapter 8, given man authority, dominion over the earth, over all the animals and over all the earth. He's saying, here's the keys to the house. It's yours. We're going to sign a lease of agreement, a, a deed of agreement, a, a lease agreement that it's your house, but the landowner still owns the house. But even though you sign a lease and you're renting a house that doesn't really belong to you, the owner of the house can't just come into your house whenever they want. There has to be an agreement between the tenant and the landowner where the tenant says, okay, you can come and inspect the house. It's the same with our lives. God's given us dominion. He's given us autonomy to have control over our lives. And God will never, He will never force Himself. He will not hijack your life and live your life for you. He said, I've given you authority over this earth. But when we pray, we give God authority to come into our house, to come into our lives. To, to, for him to do something he knows what you need he knows what we have need of but he will not lift a finger until we open up our hearts and our mouths and say Jesus can you come into my circumstance can you help me can you come into this world Hallelujah. And I promise you, He will never say no. He will always come in to your situation. He will answer you. The most powerful thing we have is this ability to talk to the Lord. You can talk to Him anywhere, anytime, any place. And today, brothers and sisters, when we talk to the Lord, we pray for God to reveal His glory in this world. For God to manifest Himself in our circumstance so that He may be glorified. Hallelujah. I've got to stop. The Spirit of God waits for us. He said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He says, you got to take a drink of the river of living water. Drink, it's, it's like praying. He says, this spake he of the Holy Spirit that should come afterwards. When you pray, you can receive the wonderful gift. He said, which of you fathers that are earthly, if your, your, your child asks you for a piece of bread, which of you are going to give him a stone? Ask for a fish? You're going to give him a scorpion? He wouldn't do that. How much more your heavenly Father, who is infinitely good, will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask Him? Let's all stand today. I've got to stop. 
Hallelujah. I, I, I could pass this mic around to this church. It'll be testimony after testimony of how God answered their prayers, of how God intervened in their life because prayer is God's gift to us. So I wonder today if you've not repented of your sin and you want to change your mind and follow God. And if you've never received this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit with the sign of speaking in tongues, you can experience that today. He said, he will, if you ask for it, I'm going to give it to you. Perhaps the problem is we're not asking for it. We're not thirsty for it. But God said, I'm willing if you're willing. Or if you have need in your body, if you need healing, the healers in this house, the healers in this house, would you lift your voices right now all over this building? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that the exercise of faith is prayer. And Lord God, we're exercising our faith today by talking to you, that you hear us, that you hear the voices of your people. You hear the cries of the hearts. And Lord God, we are asking you to come into our lives. We're asking you, Lord, to, to manifest yourself in our situation. Lord, we're inviting you. We're giving you authority and, and rulership. We want you to sit upon the thrones of our hearts today. That God, we may be new creatures in you. That we may experience a transformation like we've never seen before that we may see your power released so that we can glorify you in this world. Oh, hallelujah, Lord, we're hungry for you now. We're thirsty for you right now. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you believe in the power of prayer, I want to invite you out of your seat and come to this altar. If you've not received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you've not repented, we want you to give you this opportunity today by coming out of your seat to this altar as ministers and leaders, ministers and leaders' wives that will be here to pray with you. If you need healing, we can call upon his name and he will answer. If you need God to deliver, you need provision for what your circumstances are, you can simply ask him. This altar is open. Time for us to pray. Time to put it into practice. If you hear the word of God, respond in faith to his invitation. Bye. 